Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. On today's Housing Wire Daily, I'm joined by Editorial Director Tracy Velt to talk about the 10-year brokerage benchmark report that was just released by Realtrends and her interview with Spencer Raskoff, co-founder of Zillow. Tracy, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Oh, we have so much to talk about. So first off, your huge brokerage benchmark report. So a 10-year look at, at what brokerage firms are doing. So you know, tell us first about this report. This is the first time Real Trends has reported on brokerages in this way. Of course, you guys have been gathering data forever and you've you've parsed that in different ways. But tell me a little bit about what this benchmark report looks like. Sure. So um, Steve Murray and Scott Wright of RTC Consulting put this together based on the data that they collect on brokerages. And um, it's basically confirmed a lot of what we already knew, which was that margin compression is a real thing. However, um, brokerages have been, you know, through the years adjusting to that and finding other ways to make money. Um, So we looked at about 2000 different brokerage firms over the past 10 years from 2012 to 2021. Um, and then we looked at key category of revenues, cost of commission, operational expenses, and several other metrics that kind of define the performance of a brokerage firm. Really interesting. So um, what did you guys find? What are, the, what are the big headline takeaways from this report? So I think, you know, gross margin declined, obviously, and that's the percent of gross, gross commission revenues left to the brokerage firm after payment of commissions to agents and teams. And that declined an average of 22.4%, you know, which is actually a decline of a staggering 50.8 if you look at the, the full numbers. So margin compression is real and it's it's gotten it's it's bad at this point. Um, the other interesting thing is that agent productivity declined and it declined by about 17.7%. Um, so that went from an average of 8.9 transactions per agent to an average of 7.3 per agent. This also really isn't a shock. Um, We have a lot of new entrants into the real estate brokerage industry who are low fee firms or low cost firms. And those will generally have lower productivity numbers. Um, the, The agents are paid on a per transaction basis or possibly uh, a desk fee basis. And so those firms have grown and that includes um, firms such as HomeSmart and United Real Estate and Samson Properties and others um, which which have this new business model. So, you know, along with that, one of the things that um, firms are doing uh, because you have decreasing agent productivity is hiring more agents, right? So that the firm overall still has a, a same level of business. What what does that look like? Well, that's that's part of the lower cost brokerage firm, or basically they they their whole model is built on volume and number of agents. So where you've got Remax, um, which it's not really a low cost firm, but they do just charge, they charge a desk fee. They hire, they tend to hire a, a more productive, experienced agent where a lot of these other newer entrants are hiring um, newer agents or uh, agents who may not have real high production because they're looking for the numbers. Um, 
And, you know, but the interesting thing is a lot of them have, it it used to be that they just would hire anybody and it didn't matter. and, And it was the numbers, it was a numbers game, but they've realized that, um, you know, there are multiple ways to grow. And one is to grow through per agent productivity. So a lot of them have really put a lot of money into training and mentoring programs. And I think we'll, um, we'll see some fruits of those labors at, at some point here. I think they'll always have a little bit of a lower productivity per agent level than, than some of the other traditional firms. Um, but, but I think you're going to see that, that it will end up um, rising just a bit. And what do you see as far as low cost, you know, the low cost office versus those traditional brokerage firms? What do you see as far as market share? Like who's winning that? Um, well, right now it's still traditional brokerage firms who have have the, the highest market share. You know, in our rankings, of course, you had uh, home services and anywhere, you know, so Compass all have have a lot of, you know, high market share. But you have a lot of the the lower cost ones who are really coming up in the rankings. And I can't remember the exact number, but I want to say there were eight of the top 25 firms were were this this brokerage model. Um, In fact, in the podcast I I just recently released on Real Trending, um, Spencer Raskoff was talking about kind of what he feels is the the death of the traditional brokerage firm. So while they have a lot of market share, they're going to have to really struggle to keep it. And um, that was an interesting conversation because, you know, he's also looking at it from a tech background. You know, he founded Zillow, now Picasso. So he's looking at it from a little bit of a different angle. But um, but I do think the traditional firms are going to have to really look to other ancillary services to make up that difference. And they're, they're doing that. So there's multiple ways to run a brokerage firm and there's multiple ways to be successful with it. So I don't think there's going to be a death of the traditional firms, but I do think they're going to have to tweak their models just a bit or really rely heavily on ancillary services to, to make up that deficit. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, you know, there's there's two things there I want to talk about. Uh, first is the ancillary services. So, you know, the study didn't really include results from the related core no. services. So that's, you know, that's mortgage, title, escrow, property, casualty insurance, um, home warranty income, property management. So, and we've seen uh, firms really get into a lot of these to hedge their bets over the last couple of years, which has been a smart move. So, so tell me a little bit about what you're seeing there. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously they're they're suffering a little bit on the mortgage side right now. Um, so they're leaning heavily on ancillary services and title and, and some others. But you're also seeing new services out there, um, like concierge services that set up, you know, moving, and you're you're seeing them relying more on artificial intelligence and predictive analytics to really be more efficient in predicting where the transactions are going to be coming from and finding buyers and finding listings. So um, the report, while this isn't necessarily ancillary services, I thought it was really interesting that um, most people would assume that advertising and marketing costs have gone up. But in fact, over the past 10 years, they've actually gone down for about 60.9%. So I thought that was really interesting. It went down from um, 7.3% of gross margin to 2.4% of gross margin. So brokerages wow. are 
They're, what they're also doing in addition to ancillary services is they're reducing their operating expenses um, in order to um, continue to compete in, in this kind of margin compression world. Um, they've re- they haven't reduced their occupancy costs a whole lot, though, maybe 1% over the past 10 years. But I do feel like in the coming years, you're going to see that number grow um, as far as the reduction in their occupancy as they move to models that offer more remote situations or smaller offices that um, agents can pop in and out of, but don't necessarily have a desk at. Yeah, that's something that that every business is trying to figure out, right? <laughs> it's like, well, what is that in-office need versus, you know, being remote? Um, let's talk about technology because you mentioned Spencer Raskoff and, you know, some of the what you found here on on what the difference that the technology investment that some companies did versus others. Tell us a little bit about that. I was kind of surprised. Yeah, I think with technology, it's it's something that brokerages must have. Obviously, they have to have a platform. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, one of the things that Spencer did say is that agents really are going out and finding their own and building their own products to serve their their interests. Um, we haven't actually found that. I mean, um, Brooke Lee Han, one of our uh, real estate reporters, did a whole story interviewing dozens of Compass agents to find out what they thought of Compass's technology platform. And it was overwhelmingly positive. Um, and they, they wanted to use it. Adoption is always going to be a struggle for brokerages to get agents to adopt their technology whether they find something they like better or it's too complicated to learn or there's not enough training for them to learn, or they might just feel more comfortable having a platform that should they change brokers, they take with them. So, um, you know, but the truth is, no matter how good the brokerage's technology is, it really hasn't played a part in increased efficiency or productivity with agents, as we've seen by the productivity numbers. So it's important to have, but it also is not the game changer that it was made out to be years ago. So yeah, it's interesting. It's hard. It's really hard to measure that though, because if it is, you have to have it. If you don't have it, then, I mean, it's a game changer if you didn't have it. But I I, I think to your, what you're saying is what we see on the mortgage side too, where it's like, we just thought it would get us a lot farther than it has, right? We thought it would change the game more than it does. And I do think it comes down to so often, are people actually going to adopt it and use it? It's shocking to me on, on the mortgage side, how, you know, if, if you have a really uh, high performing LO, they can just come and be like, yeah, I'm not doing that. And I'm like, I don't understand how that works, right? So I can only imagine on the real estate side, it's the same thing, right? And and to your point, if you have a lot of um, change among different uh, brokerage, brokerages and firms and teams, and so if you're used to one thing and you bring that over with you, if it's not proprietary, right, if you can still use it, I can see how that just fractures the environment, makes it less efficient for the whole brokerage if you have all those things going on. Yeah. And I mean, if you think of it from a sales perspective, um, agents agents are busy and they're running their own business um, as well. And so they a lot of the, the a lot of the brokerage technology early on, you know, they wanted to basically it was the throw in the kitchen sink. It can do this and it can do this and it can do this. And 
agents that overwhelmed them, you know, they, they're like, well, but I only want one thing. <laughs> or I had to log into a lot of different um, programs in order to make it work. Um, that's been streamlined. And while it's very useful, it, it really has not affected productivity that we can tell. It's just wild. It, it really, it, yeah. you know, after all this time, like you said, I'm sure that um, there are some ways to measure that that might be hard to, to do. But this is a great, I mean, a 10 year study looking at how many loans people, uh, not how many loans, how many transactions they have. See, I'm on the mortgage side. Uh, it, it really is interesting. What What's one thing that we haven't talked about that really stood out to you from this study overall, like a high level view? Um, you know, I mean, I guess you could look at office performance and the number of agents um, really changed per office uh, from 53.9 in 2012 to 100.9, which just shows you how um, how much the industry has grown as far as, you know, if you even look at NAR membership, the, the difference I'm sure is staggering. Um, the other thing is that they all, um, in a 10-year growth rate, if you look at the Real Trends Consulting Benchmark Data, which is generally the highest performing brokerages, um, compared to NAR's national data, the the Real Trends um, brokerages were much more productive than they did better than the national data. Um, And I thought that was interesting. And it was it was in all categories, commission revenues, um, transaction sides and sales volume. And what do you attribute that to? Um, you know what? I, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. I, I, I would think that the NAR, um, they're including smaller firms. They, they do have a large contingent of small brokerages that they're probably including data on, whereas we're, um, our data is really on the nation's best and Real Trends 500. So we are looking at the top brokerage firms across the country where they're, they might be looking at some smaller firms as well. That makes total sense. Yeah. Thanks for that. Well, you mentioned Spencer Raskoff earlier, and you just had a great interview with him on the Real Trending podcast. Spencer is such an interesting guy, right? Um, I mean, he's a serial entrepreneur. Of course, he's one of the co-founders of Zillow. He's also started, um, as you said, Picasso, Hotwire, other other companies. And you know, the, you said that the headline for this um for this episode is uh, Spencer Raskoff on threats to the traditional brokerage model, which is kind of funny to me because, of course, mm-hmm. Zillow was the original, what people considered the original threat yeah. to the traditional brokerage model. But, um, you know, what were some of the high points of, of interviewing him? You know, um, I think the he's going to be speaking at Housing Wire Annual. He's going to be doing a power lunch, and he's really going to be talking about the, the different waves of... Um, technology or prop tech through the industry and where we are now. And one of the things we really talked about was how much of a focus on the consumer. There's always been this disruptive um, idea of this technology. So these new technologies, whether it's Zillow or, or any other company, they're coming in and they're trying to disrupt the agent and interme- you know, uh, get rid of the agent out of the transaction. Um, and the truth is that didn't work. And so now the focus has been more on the consumer, which is um, these new 
firms like Arrived Homes and Picasso, where they're they're really trying to make the home ownership process or home ownership in general available to more people through fractionalized ownership in, in that. And I thought that was really interesting, but it was also interesting to note that in in the past, brokerages really focus on services for their agents so that their agents have what they need to serve the consumer. But more brokers are realizing that they also need to be focused on the consumer, not to the detriment of the agent. The agent will, will always be their primary client, but they have to have a, a bigger hand in what those services um, are that the consumer is demanding so that they can then offer them from a brokerage perspective, whether it be a power buyer relationship or, or um, that allows, you know, the agents to work with, to offer cash, um, you know, to be able to offer cash offers. Or it's a, um, you know, offering something like a Picasso where for the, in the second home market, helping people who might not have been able to buy a mountain home or a beach home, be able to have an ownership um, stake in one of those. So, and, and they work directly with brokerages as well. So I thought that was really interesting. He had a lot, um, he's had, a, he's got a lot of real estate um, industry knowledge, but he also, I think he said he invests in about a thousand different, I think he said a thousand different companies. I can't remember. It was a lot, whatever it was, I was surprised to know how many <laughs> companies that his um, 75 and Sunny have invested in and not all real estate, but I, I think the majority are. So yeah. It makes sense. And you also think, you know, if you are one of those companies, if, if he's one of your investors, that's a, that's a leg up for you. Everybody knows him and obviously Zillow. Interesting yeah. that you brought up iBuyers because I remember when there's, you know, when they first came on the scene, and of course they've been like, I buy your house or I buy ugly houses forever. But the whole I buyer model, um, at first, you know, I mean, I think that a lot of agents did think, well, this is, you know, this is uh, coming after me directly. And now, of course, we know that agents work with I buyers, and it's just one of the options that they can offer um, if they're smart, offer their buyers, and that way they're they're giving the whole picture, right? So it's interesting how these things evolve. What looks like a threat at first maybe isn't, and also just the just the durability and of of people consumers wanting the agent. They want a person to talk to. They want someone you know, on the other end of that phone, they want some, they want to look at them and go, what do you think? You know, we're in this house or, you know, I'm looking at these two different houses, or this is my, this is my, um, offer I'm thinking of, of making, or this, this is the house price I'm thinking. Like there are just some things that are very hard to disrupt. And I think that's one of them. So, yeah. And we've done real trends has done consumer studies and that, um, I think the last one was maybe 2018 and, um, between that and the one we did before, which I think was maybe five or six years earlier than that, um, the number of consumers who definitely want to work with an agent went up, um, particularly with the millennials. And that was really interesting. Um, they were the they were the number one um, demographic who said it was vital to work with a real estate agent in purchasing a property. I just think, you know, as consumers, we're all 
very familiar with the the kinds of experiences that we want automated and then the kinds of experiences where you know we want to talk to a person i i had a car situation this last um weekend and i can tell you that great to have an automated calling phone tree thing and then at some point you just end up going talk to a person because you're like i, I cannot explain all of the details it doesn't fit into any of your algorithms um and I just think that's that's where we all are. Yes, we want the tracking. We want, you know, we want some of those things we're used to, but but at the end, there there is always still a place for a person. Yeah, definitely. I know I always want a person when I'm calling those numbers. So <laughs> I'm so. like, just get me to a person as fast as possible. What yes. what else stood out to you from the uh, Spencer Raskoff interview? You know, just his he, what his industry knowledge about. Basically, with consumers and with um, with brokers, you know, he was talking a lot about how the agent doesn't necessarily need a broker anymore, and you have seen that in the proliferation of teams that basically run separately and um, end up going out on their own, like in Power Home, Sarah Reynolds. Um, you know, team that she still runs a team, but she also now has Empower Home Mortgage and Empower Home Title and runs a, a separate company from her her team. So that I thought was really interesting that, um, you know, brokerages not only are, are suffering threats from margin compression and that, but they also are really having to prove to agents that they need them. So interesting. I mean, the way that that has evolved is is um, just just striking. And to your point, like the fact that marketing and advertising costs have gone down, you have to wonder what part of that this this whole you know being attached to a brokerage. I would think that's one of the main you know benefits if you're an agent, and maybe that's why some of the costs have come down. I mean, it's just hard to know. I think they've come down because they are putting those marketing costs on the agent. I think the agent is doing their own marketing. Um, whereas, I mean, Keller Williams has always done this. They they spend money on a national level, but they're the market um, centers and, and that are doing their own marketing. The agents are doing their own marketing. So I think that's uh, that's one of the reasons that you're seeing those costs come down. And then I think possibly more social media marketing that they're not spending money on, but instead just, you know, using the free options available to them as well. But that takes a lot more time. Uh, you know, you really have sure to have a, a strategy. And, and to your point, I mean, if you're, you know, you're, you're running this business, you're a salesperson, you're the realtor doing all this. I mean, we know uh, as a media company, I mean, having a social strategy and and executing on that. It, it takes, it takes a strategy. It takes time. It takes money. Yes, so definitely. That's interesting. Well, I would encourage uh, all of our listeners to go listen to the real trending podcast as well over on realtrends.com to hear more about the Spencer Raskoff interview. And let's just give a few minutes to housing wire annual. So Spencer is just one of the amazing speakers we have from the real estate side. So we've got Nick Bailey, president and CEO of Remax. Um, we have, of course, Ryan Serhant, who is one of our um, keynote speakers. We have Tom Ferry, who I know is just a, a, a huge draw for real estate folks. Who else Who else would you spotlight there? Uh, we've got Mark King, the CEO of Keller Williams Realty, and Josh Harley, CEO and founder of Fathom Realty. Um, Mark, Josh, and Nick will be on a panel together talking about... Um, 
basically the you know how brokerages can continue to thrive through market shifts and through all the challenges that have been thrown at them over over the past several years um, and talking a little bit about some of the newer services that they're they're now implementing in order to compete in that market um, Gino Blafari, he is the CEO of Home Services of America. He and Tom will actually, Tom Ferry will be on the stage together. Now, Tom is um, Gino's coach. And, and so they have a really interesting dynamic. They're going to talk a lot about how, um, how leaders can, can thrive right now. Um, and they'll be talking to a mortgage and real estate industry. Tom also does some mortgage um, leadership um, consulting as well. So that should be an interesting one. And, and the, the two of them on stage together will be a fun one to watch. I cannot wait for that one. That's going to be amazing. I've heard Tom and Gino uh, various times to see them together and see what that combination looks like and, and kind of what comes out of that. That's a really different angle, really excited. And then the first panel that you talked about too, to have those three which could they could all be keynote speakers. They're all incredible to have the three of them in conversation together. I think it's one of those things that we're looking to do at HousingWire Annual that really you don't get anywhere else. And you've put together some amazing panels on the real estate side. Yeah, yeah. And my, you know, my goal with that panel is that I don't speak at all. <laughs> so <laughs> my plan is they're going to have their own conversation and um, they won't need me to to do any moderation. So, you know, I do think that, you know, with, when it comes to real estate leaders, uh, these execs, they are they are great speakers. Generally speaking, they're not just, you know, great leaders and they do all this. They're, they're also just great speakers and they make our jobs as moderators much easier. Definitely. <laughs> well, Tracy, thanks so much for uh, being on today. We will catch up with you again soon, but um, thanks for sharing everything that's going on at Real Trends. Yes. And uh, be sure to go see the brokerage benchmarking 10-year report on realtrends.com. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer form digital content, the Housing Wire magazine, member exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.